you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Patchwork. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. That's my real fake name, Andy J. Pizza, not Andy J. Patchwork. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. So in my Skillshare class, about turning your creativity into your career. We go through goal setting. We go through uh, using that goal to write your own creative brief and to make a personal project that basically meets the specifications of your dream opportunity. Let's say you want to work for Apple. We imagine that Apple gives you a brief and we make a project based on that brief um, in a indirect way. You're not like, this is a project for Apple. You're like making creative work that's very similar to what you would want to get hired from, from Apple. Um, And this can work for anybody. But in today's episode, I want to use this concept. I want to take this idea from the class and expound upon it in a quicker kind of uh, sprint, you know, activity so that we write a brief to make just one piece, not a whole project. I used this process just recently and I found a lot of clarity for it. Here's why you might need to listen to this episode today. Here's three different reasons that might mean that you need to hear this episode and use some of these ideas. So one, your money 
situation or your creativity fulfillment, your creative fulfillment doesn't feel quite right. This, the concepts in this episode, they're not right or wrong. They're not like, this is the only way to do it. You must have goals. You must have a, you must write your own brief. You, you know, you must have a target market. None of that stuff. Uh, none of the things I'm talking about in the, today's episode are true or false. They're merely concept creations. They're just ideas that might spark something in you. Take what you want, leave what you don't want. But if you are not happy with your financial situation or your creative situation, I hope that you would be open to embracing some of the concepts in this episode um, and trying something, even maybe even something, that goes against how you have thought in the past. The second reason you might want to listen to this episode is that you don't know what to make today. You know, a lot of times we have free time to make some creative work and we spend that time thinking about what to make rather than making stuff. And it's sometimes we have too many ideas, we see too many possibilities as a creative person and we don't know which one to pick or we just don't even know where to get started. So if that's you, if you have a hard time or you have had a hard time recently knowing how to use that extra creative energy, that uh, stuff for stuff that's not for clients or not for a job or not for the main project and you just don't know how to spend that time, hopefully the ideas in this episode, well, they are designed to help you figure out what you should make today. And the third reason this episode might be the right thing for you is if you feel like you're putting out the wrong message, are you getting the wrong inquiries? Are you not getting inquiries that you wish that you had? You know, if you're a musician, do you wish that your, your songs were used on shows that they're not used on or commercials that they're not being asked to use, be used on? Are you an illustrator and you're not getting the jobs you used to get, but you really liked those jobs? Are you needing to refresh and re-clarify what your message is and who you are so that you start getting the right jobs and the right opportunities. We're the, this episode is designed to help you on all these levels. And before we get started, I like to just kick things off with a quick tip, give you some tactical, actionable stuff right from the get-go before we get into all the big abstract ideas so that you can be like, yeah, this thing is going to Give me something, even, even if the rest of the hour you don't get one thing. I really like this quick tip, and it's the idea of make a reboot. If you are struggling to know what to make right now, do what Ryan Holiday said to do in our last episode. Plagiarize yourself. Take something that you made a long time ago and iterate on an old piece. Make a, take a mulligan, as they say in golf. Take another whack at something. Maybe there's a song you made or there's a piece that you made that had the seed of something really great. Maybe there was a melody in there. Maybe there was a lyric in there. Maybe there was an idea. Maybe the target market was right, but you just kind of had the wrong uh, style or aesthetic back then. It could be something from last week. It could be something from five years ago. But if you're struggling to get started, one way to get the ball rolling is not starting with a blank page, but starting with something that you've already made. I love how uh, Vampire Weekend has a new song where they repurpose an old line and they use it as a, uh, a line from a verse into a chorus. Bone Thugs in Harmony used to do really similar things. I love they do callbacks to old songs. Take something that you had that you were excited about when you started making it because it had some really authentic part of your creative voice. 
take that little seed because sometimes you have this little thing you're like oh man this thing this song is going to be so good and you get making it and you get into the mud and the muck of making and it's confusing and you take the wrong turn and the end product isn't what you knew it could have been and maybe you've grown since then maybe you have some clarity now maybe you have some breakthrough maybe you just need to maybe you just needed more time to germinate and go back and reboot that property. You don't even have to tell people, this is your stuff. You don't have to be like, this is me remaking an old piece. Like the the episode art for today is that, is partially that and it's partially the rest of the stuff we're gonna talk about. But it's partially, I wanted to remake this for a slightly different target market because I'd made some similar things to this with some similar sentiments in the past and I felt like I kinda missed the who my work was really for. We're gonna get into that later, but the quick tip to start this episode is make a reboot. So if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time or you've checked out my Skillshare class, you know my approach to creative careers is a strategic approach. I love strategy. It has been my best friend in finding uh, a financial situation that I'm proud of and happy with um, and a creative level of fulfillment that feels fantastic to me. Strategy has been really the key to unlocking a thriving creative career for me. And yet, I get a lot of pushback from creative people about strategy. And I think I know why. Uh, And in this episode where we're going to write our own brief as a strategic approach to figuring out what to make, how to communicate who we are and what we do, and uh, hopefully make some of our best creative work, uh, I want to just clear up real quick why strategy is can be so powerful even though it appears to be the antithesis of creativity. Uh, in order for us to create this brief, we're going to have to determine a goal. Why? Because a goal is the secret to being strategic. The whole definition of strategy is to reverse engineer an end that you have in mind, to take an end that you have in mind and reverse engineer, work backwards from that end to develop a plan on how to get there. You can't be strategic if you don't have an outcome in mind. And the thing about that is, by definition, it is in opposition of creativity because the definition of creativity is to start without an end in mind, to start and surprise yourself with where it's going to go. Be unexpected in the result. And this, I think, gets to the tension of creative and career of creativity and strategy. And yet, I think if we pull this thread a little bit, we're gonna find that these two opposites are really a yin and yang that can work together in such a way that they push and pull off of each other for maximum result. Yes, they might not be able to exist exactly in the same place, but I would argue in order for you to get the most from your creativity, you're going to have to push against strategy. And let me explain what I mean by that. So, 
Here's the thing. Sometimes you need constraints and rigidity of strategy for creativity to push off from, to push up against. You know, kids, they have limitless imaginations. I've got three kids. They've got ridiculous imaginations. You can't believe some of the stuff they come up with and what they say. It just will freaking blow your mind. You know, they've never been on this planet. They've never had more technology, more toys. And yet, I would argue they might be more bored than ever. These kids of this era might be the most easily bored and the most often bored as any kids of any generation. And I think it's because with unlimited options, your creativity actually gets limited. But if you give these kids some simple dimensions, some edges, some definitions, some constraints, something to push off of and springboard off of, it, these limits will unlock limitless creativity. You see this in the most obvious example. Give kids, kids with iPads, kids with Nintendo Switches, kids with, uh, you know, <laughs> these infinite resources. Give these kids a cardboard box and watch that container, that constraint become this incredible leap pad for limitless creativity. What kids will do and how much fun and how many hours kids of 2019 will do with the cardboard box will blow your freaking mind. And I think it's so much easier to think outside the box when you know where the box is, when you know what size it is, when you know the constraints. It's so much easier to be creative when you know where to be creative within. And so sometimes I think, don't start by thinking outside the box. Start by thinking of the box. The box we're going to build today is our creative brief. And with this strategy, this goal and this brief, you're gonna find some limits, some dimensions. You're gonna find a box in which to springboard your creativity. And when you're not faced with unlimited options, when that, when you, allow yourself to be constrained by a few limits, you're going to be, find it easier to act and make some choices. So let's build a brief, a, a mock opportunity to pretend like you got an opportunity to make a piece of work, a song, a short story, uh, um, illustration, a logo. Let's pretend it like you got your dream opportunity and let's build this box. Let's build this brief point by point and then make something from that. If you build your box right, it's going to do a bunch of really powerful things for you. The first thing that it's going to do is you're going to have uh, these parameters to subvert. It's going to get your most creative ideas out of you. And the reason is, is, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy about certain types of comedy is they don't define the world when everything is too bonkers. When you don't, when you only have a funny man and not the straight man, like you don't have something to push up against. Chaos isn't funny if it's not right next to order. When you set these parameters, when you say this is the job that I've been asked to do, 
then you can say, well, what's been done before? Because it's what's been done before. It's in relation. It's that new thing that you're going to do in relation to sat next to the old things that have been done that are going to define what's creative and different about what you're doing. So when you clearly define what the parameters are, that's when you can subvert them. That's when you can actually get creative. If everything's possible and everything's, um, and you can and you can go any different direction in the entire universe, you don't have anything to relate it to. You don't have anything to ground it to. You don't have anything to compare it to. And therefore, it's really hard to know whether this thing is actually creative or not. The second thing it's going to do is I really believe that creativity is all about choices. So it's not so much about skill. It's not so much about uh, talent. I think it's what you do with that talent. And you, you know, you're driven by your taste, your palate, that you help that helps guide you. If you think about whatever you're making, you have like a, a funny bone or you have a, a, a you know an actual tongue, a palate, taste buds for food. If you're making food, if you have if you're making pictures, you have an eye for what's good pictures. You have this internal spidey sense radar and you use that radar to make interesting choices. Robert De Niro says that talent is really just choices. It's it's not about uh, it's not about how talented you are. It's the choice to how to play individual moments. I'm going to talk about um, Reginald Bell Johnson in a minute, a.k.a. Carl Winslow, a.k.a. the cop from Die Hard. Um, but the reason he got the job, instead of Wesley Snipes he was up against, like you might not have heard of Reginald Vell Johnson, but I know you've heard of Wesley Snipes, and I'm going to tell you how he beat Wesley Snipes for the part in Die Hard. He beat him by making a different choice. He heard Wesley in the other room auditioning, and he heard how he was choosing to play this character, and he sat and he thought, I'm going to to choose a different way of playing this character. I'm going to take that, just like what we talked about a second ago, you know, the straight man versus the funny man, you know, the parameters giving you something to push off. He took that parameter, he listened to how Wesley was playing it, and he decided, I'm going to give them a different option, and I'm going to choose to play it differently. It's in your choices. And the problem with creativity, the problem without having that cardboard box is that you have every option. The power of the creative is to see the multitude of multiverses that you could step into and not knowing which of these should I pull from the ether, pull from the higher dimensions into the third dimension, into reality from idea to done. Which of these am I going to do? And it's really hard when you're picking from millions of options. But if you will set all the parameters, you can use that choice energy on the most important parts about what aesthetic, what you're going to say, what, what, you know, instead of thinking about all of those other things, determine those before you even get started so that you can get in the flow state and make only those, you know, not get choice fatigue, which is something your brain does like some of the greatest thinkers of all time, they decided to wear the same clothes every day because they understood that their choices mattered and they needed to save the energy in their brain to make choices on things that actually mattered, not things like what they're going to wear that day. And so choices matter. You, you, you only have a certain amount of energy to make those choices. And with a box, with a brief, 
you are going to make a bunch of choices before you ever get started so that you can actually use your creative energy on choices that matter. And the third thing that the box is going to do for you is it's going to tell people who you are. You know, I'm never surprised when you see someone like Reginald Vell Johnson play <laughs> a cop in Die Hard and then go on to be the famous Carl Winslow in Family Matters with Urkel, who is also a cop. Why do you think they thought about Reginald Vell Johnson? Because they'd already seen him play a cop so well. And before he ever got either of those roles, he could have made, uh, he could have wrote his own roles as a cop if he felt like that was his part that he wanted to play. If he wasn't getting the roles, if he wasn't getting permission, he could have had his own permission. And you see this with my man, Ken Jung, he, uh, you've seen him in a million things. Uh, he's a Korean American and he plays a doctor in like 73 movies. Um, why does he play a doctor in 73 movies? Because he is a doctor. He is a doctor. And when the doctor role comes up for the casting director, the top of mind actor, the, the comedic, who's a comedic actor who can also play a doctor, well, who could play it better than an actual doctor? And that's why Ken has been in so many movies as a doctor. And so you have to tell people who you are. If you're already getting the best roles of your life and you're happy with your creativity, money, balance, then forget it. Why are you listening to this podcast? You don't have you, – forget it, man. Teach me something. Go make your own podcast. But if you're struggling with any part of that spectrum of money versus art, it might be because you're not telling people who you are. You're waiting for someone to tell you who you are. You're waiting for someone to give you permission to be something. But instead, quit waiting around. Tell people who you are. Write your own role. Tell them, I would be great as a cop. I would be great as the music for your TV show. I would be great for your magazine by choosing which magazine, which movie, which TV show, which opportunity you want and using that as a box, a springboard to lift you up and tell people who you are. All right, let's build your box. Let's get to it. Are you convinced yet? Are you ready to get started? Okay, let's do it. Number one, the first thing you got to do is define your goal. Who is the client? Who, what do, what opportunity do you want to get? Now, real quick, before some people have a knee-jerk reaction to the word goal, and I think it has to do with why people have a knee-jerk reaction to the idea of strategy is it doesn't feel creative. It doesn't feel free-flowing. It feels like you're constraining yourself. I already went into that for the first 20 minutes of this episode. I'm not going to go back into that. But I do want you, if you just naturally don't like the idea of a goal, just hear me out here. The point of a goal for a creative person the, is really not to accomplish it. Like I, uh, we're going to get to this at the end of the episode, but I just want to encourage you to think of a goal, not as a landing pad, but as a springboard. It's going to give us that box to get started, but it really has nothing to do with making this thing happen. It just helps us 
get some parameters, help us make some choices, and tell people who we are and how we want to be perceived. And having an idea of who you would like to get hired for or what type of opportunities you would like to get that really, really resonate with who you are and what you're excited about that gets you passionate about it, that will help you understand who to tell people you are and what type of work to be making. It's very helpful for me. Right now even, I've been thinking through this and uh, for this episode, the episode artwork, I did this exact process and it was super clarifying for me because, um, you know, as I've gotten further, you know, you might not have ever had any opportunities and you're just getting started in almost any client or any opportunity sounds exciting to you. Right now I'm in a place where I'm further along in my career and not every opportunity sounds exciting to me. And so I had to, part of what I needed clarity on is what type of opportunity in the world of illustration would really jazz me out of my shorts? Um, (laughs) That's, I don't have an HR department, but um, if I did, they wouldn't have let me say that. And it's, and I'm sorry, but uh, I chose the client of Apple and here's why, because it, I use this client thing as a litmus test, uh, as a self-excavation tool. What is a client that I would be excited to get an opportunity from? And I chose Apple because I believe that their why is very close to mine. So my why is deeply tied into this idea of neurodiversity, leaning into the diversity of our brains. I have ADHD. There's people on the spectrum. There's people with dyslexia. There's people with dyscalculia. There's all these people with these different brains and those different brains think different, right? That's Apple's tagline from back in the day. And they want to be about all these, embracing the differences in our thinking. That's what I'm all about. And there's also this thing about, you know, neurodiversity to me, it's not just about, um, it's not just about leaning into your differences. It's the hero's journey of becoming your truest potential. You know, people say, hey, you should be yourself, but they don't tell you that being yourself is a journey of struggle and adventure, of pain, figuring out who the heck are you and embodying that. That's a lifelong struggle. When I hear someone say, be yourself or lean into your difference or think differently, I don't hear an afternoon rap session, you know, with people sitting backwards on a chair like Zach Morris playing it cool with, you know, these a whiteboard being like, what about this? No, I don't think that. When I hear be yourself, when I hear think different, when I hear neurodiversity, I hear a journey of triumph and exploration and struggle and pain and blood, sweat and tears. And I get pumped about it. And I love the journey of Apple and I love the people that they've celebrated. You know, back in the day, Jim Henson was one of the references for their Think Different campaign. So that's a good, that's a client that I could get behind. That's a client I could get excited about. That's an opportunity. Now, one of the things that I hear from time to time is I was just getting ready to go um, psycho. (laughs) I was just getting ready to go 
something that really makes me mad, but it doesn't make me mad. I get it. Um, and I understand it. And it, you know, there's some truth to this. I'm sure like sometimes I hear from a, a musician or uh, some, someone from film or whatever, and they'll say, you know, I love your ideas from the show, but some ideas, you know, they come from the illustration world and they just don't apply to my situation. And for the longest time, I thought the same thing about these strategies that I was hearing from the business and marketing world. And it's so easy to hear an idea that you don't instantly know how to translate and, 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 uh, and replicate and implement in your particular voice and world. It's so easy to hear that idea and to say no to the adventure of translating it to your particular situation. All of the creativity is in that translation. And sometimes I try to do some of that translation for you as an example of how you could do it. But ultimately, the creativity, this is, I'm giving you a, a springboard. So, I, you know, if you're in film, you got to figure out how this relates to you. What are the opportunities that you want? Because you have them. You have producers you want to greenlight your film. Who are those people? And how could you make something for them? How could you make, take what they've done in the past and subvert it, use what they've done in the past as the parameters, and then take those parameters and push up against that cardboard box, baby. And if you're a musician, you could ask yourself, are there TV shows that even if you're a pop musician, even if you're a folk musician, even if you don't want to get hired to write jingles, you might want to get your music licensed for the show This Is Us. Well, that's your client. So that gives you an idea of what you're excited about. It gives you an idea of the type of music you could make. It gives you an idea of what you can make today. And that's what this box is all about. So ask yourself, who is your client? Number two, the second thing that you've got to define for this creative brief to build your box, your little sandbox to play in, You've got to say, number two is your target market. Who is it for? And this was really helpful to me. I'm going to explain how it worked out for me uh, in a few different ways. And I think it might help you, uh, might spark something in you. So for me, I said, okay, I want to work with Apple. But I've recently embraced the idea that probably my primary target market, although I have a few secondary ones, but my primary target market is kids that my work is most ideal for kids' books, kids' toys, kids' products, kids' ads. Uh, like, that's the kind of work I make. And, you know, it can be used in subversive ways for adult and grown-up stuff, but primarily where I'm going to earn my bread and butter and where I feel my groove is making art for kids. I don't know why. I don't, you know, in some, a lot of ways, I wish it wasn't true. You know, recently, this was a breakthrough for me. You know, I realized that I had some heroes. A lot of my creative heroes in the illustration world are women making illustration for women. And I have a lot in common with those people. I've got a real feminine flavor in a lot of my work. Uh, you know, I've always, I've never been conventionally masculine and I'm really proud of that. Uh, and I'm really, really, uh, it's never really been that big of a struggle. I've always been okay with the feminine side um, of who I am. 
I think we all have uh, a spectrum of that, but we don't have time to get into that, Andy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I've always been comfortable with that, but the fact of the matter is, I didn't feel like my, um, I, I felt like, although, I felt like I could never do what they do the way they're doing it. It's just not who I am completely. Um, that really, I'm more like a, less like a man and more like uh, have the taste. Like I, I so, so funny working all this out uh, publicly, but I feel like I liked cool stuff, but I didn't like edgy stuff. I didn't like like manly macho cool stuff. I liked cool stuff that I that I probably liked when I was eight. I still think like skulls and and rocks and snakes and swords, but those aren't things that like men like. That wasn't I don't like and it's not blood and guts. It's like a skull, but the skull is smiling. And I've been working all these things out and I've been reading the Jim Henson biography and the thing that I keep finding in Jim Henson biography is that chapter after chapter after chapter he's struggling with being seen as a children's performer. Like it's some kind of less than status and yet if he'd if he'd stepped back for a minute if i'd step back from a minute i'd realize i don't need to be the most celebrated artist among millennials i don't have to be the most celebrated artist on instagram if i make work if i treat my creative output for kids as art in the highest sense of the word, it will be. And the honor and the power and the privilege and the responsibility of making great stories and artwork for kids, there might not be a greater privilege for an artist. And I have taken upon, that's not, uh, listen, clients, people, whatever, I'm going to be working with all kinds of brands and all kinds of audiences, but my target market and something that I want to start getting better at communicating who I am, which is what this project's all about. I want to communicate. I make stuff for kids. It's a big part of what I do. And so uh, that's where I'm going to make this project. And so I started thinking, does Apple do anything for kids? And by the way, that idea, this the, uh, I would have never asked myself that question had I not thought about it through the lens of building my own brief. And that question was super powerful to me. It unlocked some answers about what I should make. It gave me, it limited my choices so that my choice, choice the power of my choices could be limitless. I started asking myself, does Apple make anything for kids? And at first my answer was no. But then I surprised myself. With this process, this process allowed myself to do some research, to look for answers in the right places. And I started saying, do, does Apple make any stuff for kids? Are there any illustrators that have worked for Apple with the target market of kids stuff? And at first I said no. And I thought, well, first of all, maybe they should. So there's an opportunity right there. But then I dug a little bit deeper and I remembered that Apple has just recently released the arcade. It's a subscription for games on the App Store. And then I opened the app store and I saw that there's illustrations all throughout the app store for all different ages. But then 
on the arcade page, at the top of the arcade page, there was an illustration for kids, for Apple. And I had my target market. I had my goal. I had the bulk of my brief. And what I made for today's episode art is a an example of what I could have made for this client and for this target market. And it allowed me to make something I would have never made. It told me what I should make today and unlocked some new potential in communicating who I am. One thing I want you to do, don't be afraid to pick who you're for. You can hear me backpedaling. It's hard to make choices. I say, my stuff's for kids, but wait, wait, wait. It's also for women. It's also for men. It's also for whoever wants it. Anybody, whoever, I, you know, why? Because I like the roller coaster of creativity. I like the surprise. I like to get an email that's for somebody I never dreamed of working with. It's a great time. But if I don't use my uh, choices as a springboard, I won't make anything at all. And not to mention that you would be blown away by the amount of money and opportunity and creativity that there are by tapping into this resource of the internet. You can go into the smallest niches and serve them in a very particular way. If you can show up and you're the perfect result for kids who play tennis in the suburbs on Thursdays, if you could say, that's my target market, you can build a product that's perfect for them. And because of the magic of the internet, they will be able to find you. And the more specific you are in telling people who you are and what you do, the easier it is for those people to find you. And so don't be afraid of making some choices, saying yes to something, saying no to other things. That is the essence of creativity. Knowing which choices to make, that intuition, that's the secret sauce. And so don't be afraid to choose a target market. All right, the last one of these is really powerful. I think it'll give you some insight about Uh, your value and what's great about you and allows you to turn that up in this next piece of work. The third and final thing that you need to define for this pretend brief to define your creative box is what's the problem they're trying to solve? Now, imagine they're sending this client for this target market. They're sending you this brief. They're talking to you for a particular reason. They believe that you can solve the problem that they have. And so you can start with asking yourself, you know, what is the current problem? Like what of the past stuff that they've done, what needs to be reinvented? What needs to be refreshed? What do they need to do next to solve some problems? For me, when I was checking out this Apple Arcade illustration, I thought, you know, it's digital. It's a digital, purely digital illustration. And it made me realize that, man, the, the, that brands across the board have almost exclusively used vector illustration with no analog textures, no paint, no, no pencil. And the reason is they, if it's vector, they can scale it infinitely. And yet most of them never do that, but they just like, they think, well, 
you know, if the options are vector and you can scale it to infinity or raster and it's the size you make it, then vector is just the right option. But they don't realize how much that limits what you can create. Vector can be totally great, but it's not the only option. And I realized that one of the things I could bring to the table is brand illustration that does everything that brand illustrations need to do. It's attention grabbing. It feels fresh. It feels modern. It feels new. But it also brings something to the table that's not really currently being done. Add some humanity. Add something uh, that hasn't been seen in that space for a while. So I liked this question of the problem I'm trying to solve because it got to my niche. What do I do different to what's already been done? Why would they even hire me so that when I go to make this piece, I can turn that up? I can remember, you know, one of the reasons they would come to me is because I add analog stuff along with a whole bunch of other things that I do. But that's just an example of how finding the client in the target market and helping me think about the problems that they would have, which is why are they going to do a new illustration at all? Why are they going to not just use what they already have? Why are they coming to me? And it helps me turn up what I delivered, help me define the target that I'm trying to hit in this next work. So what you can figure, you know, if it's music, let's go back to if you're a musician, you want your song on the This Is Us soundtrack, that TV show, then what does that music need to do? Why are they asking you? Why, you know, go into not just, let's go back to, you know, on number two at the target market. Let's define not just what show you're going to be on, but what scene, what's, you know, what maybe for this episode, one of the characters of the show is being uh, integrated with one of your songs. So which of the characters of the show is this song for, is going to embody the story of? And that's me adding that to step two. But step three, uh, what does this song need to do? Is it a song for the opening credits that gets people excited, energized, anxious about what's going to happen? It's got upbeat pace. Is it something that's going to close out the show? Is it going to be during the climax? Is it going to make them laugh? Is it going to make them cry? What, what do you think they would come to you for, for this show? If it's illustration, why are they picking me? Yeah, they're trying to refresh it. Yeah, they're trying to do something new. Yeah, they're trying to grab attention of the kids. How do I do that? And so for me, I put myself in my son's shoes because he's in the target market of my uh, audience. And I started thinking about what would make my son get excited about this illustration? What kind of things does he like? He likes swords. He likes monsters. He likes snakes. He likes what What else? What, what if there was something uh, about this illustration was um, stuff like he liked, like a tiger, but it's mixed with uh, a lion. That's a Napoleon Dynamite reference. I don't know. I'm dating myself. It's weird. But you know what I'm saying? I started to ask myself, not just this infinite sea of choices of making a good illustration, but making what my son would call a good illustration, what would what he would find, not what people find attention grabbing, but what does a uh, seven-year-old boy who likes video games l- want to see? What would excite him about... Uh, um, 
this illustration. And that gives me a very clear target to hit within my work. It helps me turn up the right things, turn the wrong things down. It gives me clarity of a springboard to leap off of. So I get, like I said, I get some pushback about being strategic and, and goal setting and all that stuff. And seriously, I agree. I get it. Some of the most fun, exciting, creative outcomes of my career were things that I could have never planned for. You know, I had my Indie Rock coloring book was on TV. It was on cable national TV, the book that I created right out of college. I never had a goal to have a coloring book on TV. I, I you know, having a top 50 arts podcast was never in my goals. Interviewing, interviewing, <laughs> interviewing Joseph Gordon-Levitt was never one of my goals when I started this podcast. And yet these experiences have completely made my creative career. But the thing is, none of those things would have happened had I not had a goal. I made the Indie Rock Coloring Book because I wanted to work with Indie Rock bands. I, I had a Top 50 Arts podcast on iTunes because, or on Apple Podcasts because I wanted to create a portfolio of talks and had a goal of getting booked as a conference speaker. I never would have interviewed Joseph Gordon-Levitt had I not had the goal to interview Aaron Draplin and Morgan Harper Nichols. None of, if I hadn't had those goals and started that work and used them as a leap pad, I never would have had any of those opportunities that I never saw coming. For me, goals are, as a destination are just the most boring thing in the world, but goals as a launch pad is a, are very, very powerful tools. For me, goals aren't the end, they're the means. Kids love cardboard boxes so much. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but we don't buy them cardboard boxes for Christmas and you don't even see cardboard boxes hang around a house for very long. You throw them out in a day or two because kids don't really actually give a crap about cardboard. What they love is play. The creativity of play. It's not about the box. It's about what the box allows them to launch into. That cardboard box that to my kids is clearly a rocket ship. It's that cardboard box as the rocket ship that allows them to see their backyard as the moon. You know, I've seen my kids have some of the most pure moments of play in our backyard and almost all of those best creative play moments don't include cardboard boxes but many of those moments would have never happened without the cardboard box and in the same way my favorite accomplishments in my creative career were not things I had as a goal but Almost every one of them would have never happened without one.
Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Go check out soundtrack, the instrumental music you're hearing on this show right now. Go get into the groove, baby. Spotify, Apple Music, that's where you can find it. Creative Pep Talk Volume 1 by Alex Sugg. Thanks to Chris Graham of Chris Graham Mastering and the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast for all this audio assistance. Thanks to all of you for staying tuned and coming back every single week. You keep coming back. I'll keep providing the pep. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Sorry, I didn't like that. Stay pepped up. (laughs) That was better. But now I'm uncomfortable because I don't like the last word not being up on the show. Well, not just up, but just stay pepped up. <laughs>